Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. The Links and Locks Podcast. Podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Hello, you beautiful degenerates, and welcome to Links and Locks, the Action Network's golf betting podcast presented by Bet365. Alongside Spencer Aguiar and Nick Brettwish, I'm Roberto Arguello. Thanks for joining us this week as we'll be previewing the U.S. Open here at Los Angeles Country Club. First time this venue has ever hosted for a major championship. It's the third major of the year at a course we're unfamiliar with. So we'll dive into first our best bets. Then we'll go through a little course preview because not everyone's familiar with the course. And then we'll get into our outright cards, placement market bets, exotic bets. And then we'll run through the rest of the players we maybe didn't touch on in our rapid fire round, just in case you want to fire on them or fade them in some way going forward. Welcome in, guys, Spencer and Nick. I'll start with you, Spencer. What's your best bet at Los Angeles Country Club this week? I think Nick and I are going in the same direction here with just a little bit different of a wager. So I'm going to take Mito Pereira to come 52nd or better at minus 120 at bet 365. All right, hopping on Mito, who nearly won the PGA Championship last year in Tulsa. Nick, how about you? Mita Pereira, top 40, plus 125. All right. So doubling down on Mito, just a little bit of a different bet. 45 points of difference in price. And I'm going to go with your boy, Nick, in Russell Henley, 57th or better at minus 120 on bet 365. Let's get into why we're betting these best bets. Spencer, first, why are you on Mito? I love that Henley bet. I've been trying to find a wager to get on Henley. I will be jumping on that also. That will be on my card. Um, There's a lot of players to kind of just double down on that answer here. Like I think Russell Henley, Wyndham Clark, Denny McCarthy, Mito Pereira. Those are all names that come to mind for me for players that I do want to gain extra exposure to this week. In an ideal world, we would have gotten a much better head-to-head market that would have allowed us to take some of those options against what my model deemed to be inferior opponents. But that necessarily wasn't the case here with how books decide the shade matchups for who that group I just mentioned got placed against for the week. There's always a chance we can find some in-tournament wagers once things begin on Thursday. But I will go, as I said, with Mito Pereira 52nd or better on bet 365. Uh, It's one of those spots for me where Pereira has fallen victim to a live bias that has pushed names like Cameron Smith, Joaquin Neiman, himself. They're just lower on the odds board than they would have been if they stayed on the PGA Tour. Pereira has been nothing but steady during his entirety of his run on these live events. And we've seen a very similar output with him during both the Masters and PGA Championship. Two events that saw him come 43rd and 18th place. My model ranked him inside the top 20 for projected weighted scoring. And then the projections of all seven categories that I ran placed him as one of only 16 players to land within the top 50 for every category that I found pertinent this week for Los Angeles Country Club. I like that a lot, Nick. What else do you have to do to talk me into Mito Pereira this week? You got yeah, to scared me though. You, you scared me a little bit when you said my guy. I was going to say, Will Gordon's not in the field. Uh, had a great <laughs> week last week besides, uh, what was it round, Saturday round? I don't know. Disaster, but there's always, always something with Will. 
there's always one round with Will. Uh, but I'll echo everything Spencer just said. He grades inside the top 50 for me in every single category or weighted category that I pushed out there, just outside the top 40 and around the green, which is something I do value a lot here, especially with this rough. But other than that, he was inside the top 25 for every single category for me. Long par four scoring, 450 plus yards, 500 plus yards. Total driving, we know he's a magician with the driver besides the 18th hole at the 2022 PGA Championship. Uh, scoring relative to par from 200 plus yards with the approach shots, bank rest scoring, and good form. I mean, I don't watch live golf very much, but he's had good placements there. He was great at the PGA Championship. He was pretty good at Augusta. Uh, short game kind of killed him there. I do think with the runoffs of these greens at LA Country Club, I think we'll have a, a much better course fit for uh, Mito Pereira, but... I think with the combination of upside and safety inside the top 40, I think is a very safe wager. My numbers had that at even money. And I also am going to double down on Spencer's bet 365 of 52 or better at minus 120. It's the week of Mito for me. And that does scare me a little bit because last time Spencer and I were this aligned on somebody, um, it was a Swedish player at the Masters. And uh, we're not even <laughs> going to talk about it, but hopefully we got a better result this week. It's a lot different of an output here between Pereira and he who shall not be named on this show. <laughs> um, that player at the Masters presented extremely boomer bust outputs. Like he was one exactly. of the biggest climbers for me. Mito's just safe across the board of how I'm running it. I mean, it doesn't mean that he can't miss a cut. It's a U.S. Open. U.S. Opens can be carnage at the end of the day. But he's a much safer golfer to try to build into a lot of these different markets here. And I mean, that's not going to be the last that we hear of Mito on this show. I know there's more wagers coming from each one of us. It does scare me a little bit though, Spencer, looking at the master's card, he who shall not be named top 40 was also plus 125. Yeah, that's not great. No, but Mito's in form. Let's ride it. Let's go Mito. I'm hopping on as well. Give me the 50, uh, the 50 second or better at minus 120. For Mito, I love it. And <clears throat> excuse me, if I can find that top 40 at a place where all ties are paid in full, I think I'll hop on that too. Really like him. And I really like Russell Henley. Like I said, my best bet for him is 57th or better at minus 120 on bet 365. And I like him for a combination of reasons. First, the form is incredible. He's gained strokes on approach in seven straight events. And in that seven tournament span, He's finished in the top 19 six times. So just a really high floor for him. And we know that he's done well in major championships before. Just a couple of years ago at Torrey Pines, he was in contention. So he's shown that he can do it on the West Coast in one of these big major championships. Also, some people are comparing at least the driving off the tee this week to Augusta and that it's got wide fairways, but you're going to need to position yourself within those fairways. And he finished in a tie for fourth there at the Masters this year. Additionally, his putter is pretty hot gaining strokes significantly in five out of the last six for all these reasons. I really like him. I think he can go low on a lot of the gettable holes out here. There are quite a few and it's a George C Thomas course. So it's going to start off with a very friendly first hole par five, which is also followed by a tough par four second. But I think Henley can capitalize on some of these scorable holes, hang on during some of the tougher ones. And he just got such a high floor for me. 57th was just way too low of a price for him. I got him finishing in the top 40 this week. And I also bet him outright at 150 to one. So like you guys sprinkling some of the upside as well, but I think that floor is where I want to put my biggest investment this week. Guys, LACC, of course, we haven't seen before. What do we make of it? And what are you prioritizing most? I'll start off with you, Spencer. Yeah, we're stuck in another one of those spots where there's zero long-term data to try and decipher from this week. It's funny because it isn't as jarring here since U.S. Open venues always play somewhat similarly between every season that you watch it. You can practically extrapolate numbers out from any of those fast, firm, or challenging courses to land on a general expectation. That's at least something to keep in mind as you try to run a model. But we still need to be careful with that viewpoint since there are so many unique characteristics of this track that will be pronounced throughout. Visually, we get a course that looks wide open off the tee. Some holes will possess 70 or 80 yards of width on these fairways. That typically points many in the direction of a bomber gouge mentality. Although I want to temper those expectations from everybody. I think that's the wrong way to view this since the venue almost becomes a second shot course that is going to be speedy near the greens. And then it's going to require iron control and short game creativity if you want to find scorable opportunities. 
I have heard that the fairways are much softer than expected. That obviously changes my answer a little bit and does add more of a need for distance. But I always feel like you run a substantial risk when you take such massive stands on unknown commodities there. The scorecard has 10 par fours, five par threes, and three par fives. The ranges are going to be vast in disparity. Like we have the par threes that are going to measure nearly 300 yards. In fairness, that plays straight downhill. It's not going to play as a 300 yard shot, but still listed as nearly 300 yards on the scorecard. There's some par fours that are short and gettable. A handful will be long and grueling with blind second shots into the greens. And then the par five holes provide a mixed bag of outputs. Although the general theme of long iron proximity does probably further get added to the equation when we look at how these holes are set up. There's tons of strategy, elevation changes, blind shots, these sloping lies. I would be curious to get your guys' answer on this. I think if I had to guess, I would say the winning score probably lands somewhere I don't know, four, five, six, seven under par. Like to me, that feels like the likely winning score. I know Vegas has it higher than that. I've seen it more in that eight, eight and a half range at a lot of books. I do think the days of the USGA embarrassing golfers with over par totals seem to be over at this point, but this is going to be a fun layout with a lot of strategy and unique concepts. Like I'm kind of looking for a complete five tool player who can give you every single shot in the bag, which I do want to add. I added a lot of putting to the mix this week. Because this is such a fast surface, and you mentioned it a second ago, Roberto, with this being a borderline Augusta National Comp, I think there's some legitimacy to that. You have the wide open field. You also have these firm, fast bent grass screens where there's going to take strategy with all the sloping lies and the uneven nature to it. Um, That's something to at least keep in mind as you're building a model. And then if you want to just get like really weird with a course, and this is more of an easy scoring venue. So I don't know what the similarities necessarily are, but like Kapalua kind of has that same Hmm. wide open feel. And I think there's reasons why Jordan Spieth, Cameron Smith, a lot of these names have continued to find success at those venues. So um, I kind of built my model trying to mimic some of those places and then taking into account the fast and firm nature that you are going to always get at a U.S. open. Yeah. I think you bring up a lot of really great points, Spencer, and it is Bermuda grass around the greens in the rough which will make things even more challenging than you would see at a lot of the courses we've seen recently where it's been predominantly bent grass it is bent grass greens again this week and the fairways like you said are a little bit softer than than we expected we expect the firmest and fastest challenge on the whole pj tour schedule this week and there's no rain in the forecast this week which seems like the first time in forever on the pj tour there's been no rain in the forecast at all but they can bake this course out a little bit more and I expect it to happen. So it's still early on. It's Tuesday morning, but come Thursday morning at LACC and even Sunday afternoon, I think the course is going to be playing much different. So I wouldn't read too much into those soft conditions, but it just means they've got some uh, room to play with on the golf course right now, but I'm really excited. I think that I'm not really sure how low that's going to play out here this week. And par is just a social construct. I want to see a bunch of players, a bunch of goals where if you can hit a great shot, you can make a birdie. But if you don't, you'll be penalized. And unlike some holes, and I like that there is this distribution of six of the par fours or 480 yards or longer. So it's going to be a brutal test, especially those last three holes. I want to say it's the longest three-hole closing stretch in in a long time, if not U.S. Open history. But you've also got several short par fours that are drivable. You've got the 290-yard par three that you mentioned, which is just going to be Really interesting to see how that plays. I believe that's the 11th hole. And you've got the par fives, a couple of them pretty long, but also that first hole, which is very generous, plays downhill, uh, should be a birdie or eagle hole starting off. I'm very intrigued to see how the course plays. I think somewhere in that eight-ish under par range makes a lot of sense, but I'm really excited to see this course. Uh, always really fun to see a new major championship course. And recently, they've been pretty solid on the PGA Tour, so I've been enjoying that. Nick, any other thoughts on LACC before we get before we jump into our outright cards no i think spencer nailed it on the head the five tool player there i did uh put a more expected um weights on longer par four so 450 500 yards um scoring relative to par from 200 plus yard approach shots we're gonna need those mid to long irons especially with placement off the tee but yeah firm bank grass scoring uh, i think means a lot and like you said that bermuda rough around the greens is going to make the around the green in the short game uh, very important. And like Spencer said, I think it's a great week to wait a lot in the putting, which 
real quick, guys, what are we doing with Scotty Scheffler? Is it his tournament to lose or is the putter concerning? Obviously, it's concerning, but yes, does it yes. really hold him back with with how good he is at ball striking right now? He's just the best player on the planet. I mean, it's always his tournament to lose at this point. He's putting up historic tee to green numbers of the likes we really have not seen in a long time. And it, it they really like, this could be a completely different season for Scotty. We could be viewing this as a Tiger Woods sort of a year where m- multiple wins. He could have two majors. Like. He continues to lose because this putter has gone ice cold on him. I worry about it ever so slightly just because I I do think that you're going to have to make putts out here. There's going to be a lot of those awkward five-foot testers that he's going to get for par. I worry a little bit that he's just not going to make enough to win this contest. But like it really just comes down to a putting answer at the end of the day. All the metrics across the board, there's no way you can run a model that doesn't push him as being the favorite. And, And I'm not going to ever be the guy who's rushing to the top of a major championship board trying to bet a golfer in a single digit number. I have to be honest though, I highly considered going that route. I actually think the price on Scotty is somewhat intriguing that if you had gotten any sort of putting with him, I mean, what are we looking at right now? Like if he had one more, like he's three to one to win this tournament. Not that I think that's a fair price, but he would have been so priced out of the market that you would have just been out on it. So I'm a little bit afraid that all wagers that are not named Scotty Scheffler end up getting burned to the ground here by trying to take him on. But I decided not to bet him at the top. I kind of think this is going to be another one of those top 10 finishes where the putter lets him down at the end of the day. But I mean, who knows? The second he is just neutral with the putter, he has the potential. Like we want to talk about winning scores here. And this is something that we have seen Rory McIlroy do his like Rory's never won a single digit tournament. But that's a really skewed data point to look at because a lot of times when Rory's won, Rory's gotten to like 14 under par and like the rest of the field is two under par. (laughs) There is a realistic chance that Scotty does something similar to where he wins this at 12 under par because he just goes crazy and everybody else is in that like five, six under par range. And we look back and it's like, yeah, well, the winning score should have been five or six, but Scotty just got like neutral or hot with the putter and he ran away with it. So I am afraid that Scotty kind of ruins all outright bets, but um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts, Roberto. Yeah. Scotty Scheffler is the first person I've looked at under alternate markets to see if I could get a better line on him to win by two strokes or more. Yeah, I found that at plus 1,000. You can find it right now on Bet365. Didn't punch the ticket, but just the fact that he had me looking for that tells you how bullish I am on Scotty Scheffler this week. And you mentioned the putting woes. yes. It's been pretty tough to watch over the last month or two as far as him making putts, especially inside of 10 feet. But one thing I'm weighing more than normal this, than normal this week is the three-putt avoidance. And mm-hmm. so far on the PGA Tour this year, he is fifth in three-putt avoidance, three-putting at just 1.3% so far this season. On these big greens, it's more about not making mistakes and doing those strong lag putts, putting together strong lag putts, instead of just making all the 10, 12-footers for birdie, although of course that'll help. So I'm very bullish on Scotty Scheffler. I couldn't get there at seven to one, but if you, but I don't, in something like TFS, I very much understand starting off with Scotty Scheffler because you know he's going to be right there. I think that he is clearly the class of this field, but I didn't go his way in the outright market. I'm fine with anybody who does want to consider him. I, I think the only point that I would add to that is there are ramifications for when you go that high or low, depending on which way you want to view it up on the board there though, um, the exposure becomes a real problem to where if you're betting Scotty, you really don't have much more room to add other names to the card. And, and I think that that's one of the big mistakes a lot of betters out there make is they want to bet Scotty, but then they also want to bet Jordan Spieth. And then they also want to bet Cameron Smith. And then they also want to bet Victor Hovland. And it's like, you really don't have enough room to do that. Like you can have a Scotty card. You can maybe find a a name or two in that 40 to one plus range. But even still, you start building this out way too aggressive once any other name gets added to it. So like, it's almost like a single bullet Scotty week in my mind, or you try to take them on with other names. And I decided to try to take them on with other names just because the putting has been a problem. But you brought up a really good point there, Roberto, like the three putt avoidance that he brings to the table. He's seventh in my model over a two year run. He's one of the best lag putters who does hit a lot of those putts like stone dead to where he's not going to miss it. So 
the ball striking is good. And that's kind of what we've historically seen from him. Like even at the masters, like, I mean, he won, he runs away with that tournament if he just makes putts, but he was never really in that much danger on a lot of those holes. Like he was just finding himself on the green, missing the putt and then, you know, putting the next putt in on there. So I don't know. I mean, like, obviously he has the propensity and the capabilities to burn a lot of cards this week. Guys, let's get into those outright cards. I'll start with you, Nick. Who you got this week? All right. We will start us off with a ticket I don't love, but I love the price. I mean, when I went through this, I really keyed on six key stats, the putting being one of them, bank rest scoring, uh, that relative to par from 200 plus, and the long par fours, total driving around the green, all that combo. Tony Finau was one of four players to check all six boxes for me. Other than that, it was Tyrrell Hatton, Patrick Cantlay, and Scotty Scheffler. I'll echo what Spencer said about Scotty. The price is just too short for me. Maybe someone I move on in tournament. But again, we're not reinventing the wheel there for betting Scotty Scheffler. It makes a lot of sense. We all agree it's his tournament to lose. But Tony Finau at 40 to 1 and Tyrrell Hatton at 35 to 1 are as short as I'm going down the board. I got a ticket on Sunjay M at 55 to 1. And I played with the idea of Justin Thomas at 50 to 1. I just don't like his game. I'd rather have Sunjay at the same price, if not a little bit longer. Mito Pereira is my long shot at 120 to 1. And then my light money on fire uh, retirement fund, Patrick Rogers to win at 310 to 1. So Finau, Sunjay, Hatton, Mito, and Rogers right now on the outright card. Interested to get your thoughts on Rory McIlroy as well. I know the market is, seems to be very sharp on him. Played fantastic uh, Friday and Saturday. Sunday was kind of a letdown at the RBC. But what are your guys' thoughts on the outright card there? I think the first takeaway from the outright card that I have for you, Nick, is that you have left yourself so much room to be able to jump in from an in-tournament betting perspective. And that's where we talk about, like, I don't think you're ever going to necessarily find the price that you want on Scotty Scheffler, but it doesn't have to be Scheffler. There can be another name that fits into the mold that you want to add. So I really like your card from that sense. And you're kind of speaking my language. Like anytime you say Finau and Sung JM, uh, those are golfers that I find myself backing every week. I think that they are widely underrated by the general public in a lot of these spots. And we're seeing it here on the outright board to where I think both of them are high upside plays, even though they don't necessarily win golf tournaments at prices that are now starting to push into legitimate territories. Like I was betting Finau at some of these earlier majors at in like the high twenties. Mm-hmm. I think a U.S. open is probably the best fit for him. Like you could argue maybe a masters, but we keep going, or at least I keep going back to this answer of like, Augusta and LACC and these places are somewhat similar with what you're expecting. So I think it's a good course for Finau. I couldn't get there because I couldn't stomach doing it one more time because there was other better value that I had on the board. I think for the Rory answer, we'll touch on that very quickly. I always love Rory. Um, He was the one golfer to where if I threw out any of the downside here, like get rid of anything that you worry about, And that's going to be some of like this lack of recent win equity that he's bringing to the table where he can't seem to close an event, which that worries me more than Scotty Scheffler's putter. Like I trust Scotty to turn the putter around more than I trust Rory to be in the final group on Sunday and to win the tournament. But my model absolutely loved Rory this week. That is a very common answer for these majors. I walked down this road at the masters to where he was my pick to win. Um, I got that number boosted up into the, you know, 10 plus range, which that doesn't, that's not the single digit numbers that I'm talking about here with Scotty, but, um, I just think that Rory's going to come top 10 and probably find a way to not win the contest. If you made me guess here, but yeah, I mean, sharper markets absolutely love them this week. And my model thought the same thing. Roberto thoughts, thoughts on Fino real quick. They're like, everybody's talking about Hovland. He got his win at Memorial, which is fantastic. And his ball striking, on firm bankrest surfaces, Tony Fino is one of the best ball strikers in the world. And he his short game is getting better every single week, per se. And the same thing could be said about Victor Hovland. Victor Hovland's down in the 20s. Tony Fino is up at 40 to 1. I just feel like that's a number grab I have to take. That was the first bet I punched this week. So I'm all over Let's Tony Fino. I love it. Uh, for all the reasons you guys have stated, just the all-around game, the elite approach play, the distance, which with the fatter fairways – he can give it a go. We know we've touched on this before in the podcast where he hasn't been hitting the ball as far as he has in the past. And he's just not trying to, I think that he dials it down, try to hit 
tries to hit that fairway finder, but when he has the chance to let it go, he lets it go and he could be he could be the longest player on the PG tour if he wanted to be. I love Tony Finau this week. I'm all over him at 41. Can I add one more thing to that before we move on? Yes. And it's going to pain me if Tony Finau wins this event after all the times I've bet him in major <laughs> championships and I don't have a ticket here, but I did run a category in my model. It's not one of the things that I officially weighed. Like they're individually weighed when we talk about fast surfaces and firm surfaces, but I threw them together to try to figure out who my model liked the most. And I'm going to quickly rattle off some names here. Number one on a fast and firm surface in my model, Tony Finau. So that is to Nick's point there. You have Rom, Scheffler, Cantlay, Xander, Rory, Homa, Hatton, Wyndham Clark, who's a name that I think is a nice deep sleeper here. Uh, Justin Thomas kind of goes back to the point that Nick just talked about of that price. I'm not going to bet him. I think he's lost at this point. But um, the one name that I just want to quickly mention, I don't have an outright ticket on him, but I think there's ways to play him in the market. Denny McCarthy was 13th for me, and I am not a Denny guy who tries to back Denny McCarthy. But I think as a placement wager, there makes a lot of sense with him. I think if you can find a head-to-head matchup, I don't currently see one in the market that I like. He is priced against players like Mito Pereira, who I also like. So there's a lot of that going on for me. Um, but it's just something to keep in mind that Fino has shown historically that this fast, first, fast, firm sort of surfaces are really where he can propel his best upside. I think that McCarthy uh, call is interesting because you mentioned players like a Cameron Smith and a Jordan Spieth, guys with tremendous short games. Uh often on times are wayward off the tee, which is not necessarily the case with McCarthy, but guys who have different avenues to playing great golf because of that elite short game. He's also someone who fits that mold with his improving approach game as well. I didn't punch a ticket on him this week, but I might take another look uh, before the tournament starts on Thursday after we get off this podcast, because he's a player that I'm continuing to be intrigued by and players who have an elite skill set who are adding increasing approach play are players who have value betting just in general. In I, golf. So I, I like him. I have a wager for you that we'll get later in the show that I think I'll be able to convince you on with McCarthy. All right. Let's see if we get a second in pod play, but first Spencer, let's hear who you've got on your outright card. Pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely, but when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, it's been a dry spell for me in the outright market this year. Like, I always try to preach about getting the majority of your exposure in other areas because this is not an uncommon answer when you're dealing with such a volatile market that is now further increasing its hold percentages across the board. Uh, there's even been a similar sentiment during these major championships for me. I haven't hit a winner since the 2020 U.S. Open when I grabbed Bryson DeChambeau at Wingfoot. Like, honestly, outrights are what they are. I'm never going to overexpose my card with impossible to maintain percentages if I want to be profitable. My numbers always want to be more or less in that max out zone of, you know, I want to be winning seven to 10 units. That's something we talk about a lot here. 
in an ideal world, I'd like to be in that like 0.5 to 0.75 exposure range. Didn't do that this week. I got very aggressive with my card and I've done that on the last couple majors. And, you know, it's a major championship. I did find some value on this board, but it's just something I want to throw out there is this is not how aggressive I would be building most cards. I have 1.17 units at risk before this tournament started. Uh, it All these bets are to win about seven and a half units. A couple of them are between the 7.2 to 7.5 mark. It's going to be a lot more aggressive of a card. I don't really have the luxury that Nick does to be able to jump in on this tournament once it starts. So that's something to keep in mind. But I started with Cameron Smith. I got him at 33 to one. I'm still finding any of those 30 to one numbers that you can find out there. Um, I talked about this a second ago. I would give a very similar answer for Jordan Spieth, who I don't have a ticket on, but it's oftentimes been these wide open venues like St. Andrews, talked about um, Kapalua, I think Augusta, where Smith has presented his best ability to skyrocket himself up the leaderboard. My model graded him as second in projected strokes gain total to mimic Los Angeles Country Club. Then it goes back to his success at Augusta that when a course gets open, but the need for short game acumen stays in place, the upside just continues to climb over an average contest. So I like him anywhere in the 30s. I took uh, Tyrrell Hatton at 40 to 1. I don't know why. His name is always a tongue twister for me. That is like the hardest name for me to pronounce for whatever reason. But uh, I like him a lot this week. I think when we look at him and what we saw from Matthew Fitzpatrick last year, it goes a lot mm. more than just like the country of origin that they have for why I have similarities for them. Uh, similar to Hatton, Fitzpatrick entered the last U.S. Open with shaky tournament history, but quality current form that was starting to trend in this fashion that you thought he was going to an event. That was something that I saw on my model, no matter how I ran it. Like he was going to get worse from a tournament history perspective, but he's going to skyrocket when I look at the form and then the statistical fit here. I would not be shocked if Hatton finally makes himself a major winner this week. That number's dropped a little bit from the 40 to 1 range. I think anywhere that you can get it in the 30s is still fine, but he was one of the better values that I had on the board. Um, this one is a little bit gross. I, I think that this number's moved all over the place recently, and you're going to have people that are on opposite sides of the aisle here. Um, a lot of people bet Max Home at 50 to 1 when that number opened. It dropped into the teens there for a very short time period, and it's funny. I see on Twitter now everybody trying to sell their Max Homa tickets at 50 to 1, like to the point where I'm actually purchasing tickets from people buying their 50 to 1 action up. And if anybody wants to sell, like you can find me on Twitter. I'll be buying more Max Homa tickets. But it's a it's an interesting spot with him. Like he's overvalued in the sense when it started a couple weeks ago. It's in California. It's on a course where he holds the course record. That propelled him into a range that was just ridiculous. Like he he shouldn't have been a golfer that was in the teens here. But I think as he continues to drift in this market, and I wouldn't be shocked if you couldn't find him in the 35 plus range at some point. I think it's a name to at least keep in mind as he continues to drift. I will very quickly run through these last couple here because I know this has gone on for a while. Uh, Wyndham Clark, I grabbed him at 100 to 1. I think he's a golfer that is propelled himself into being a legitimate top 15 player in the world. I grabbed Joaquin Neiman at 125 to one. That's a number that you can kind of find in the hundreds. I think in retrospect, I probably like Nick's route better with Mito than Joaquin, but I wrapped my card up. I did go to the top here. Victor Hovland, 18 to one. Mm. There are just so many answers that my model continues to love about him. Like when I took every metric that I ran and I only looked at who placed inside the top 25 of those categories, there were two golfers that fit every single metric for me. Terrell Hatton, Victor Hovland. That's the list for me this week. So I'm going to say, I think one of those two end up winning the golf tournament. That's kind of where the bigger exposure is for me with what I have to risk. But uh, obviously we're taking a big gamble trying to take on Scott here. Spencer, I like a lot of those plays and I'll jump in with my outright card. But first, a reminder that the Links and Locks podcast is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION, that's A-C-T-I-O-N, to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer. Bet $1 on any game and get $200 in bonus bets. Must be 21 or older. Offers available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia in the U.S. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. So for my outright card, similar. I have some similarities with both of you guys. I also like Cameron Smith. Didn't punch a ticket on him, but instead I went with Jordan Spieth for a lot of similar reasons. 
love that the wide fairways are going to help him out this week because the driving accuracy like Smith is somewhat of an issue. But once you get him in the fairway with an opportunity with a scoring club in hand, I like him as much to anybody else in this field. He's got elite form recently with six top six finishes in his last 12 starts, including a top five at the Memorial. We also know that like last year's U.S. Open winner, he played in a playoff at the RBC Heritage against Matt Fitzpatrick. Couldn't come out with the win there, but also had a T4 at the Masters. So a lot of different big-time courses and in big-time fields, he's stepped up this year, and we know he's got that it, fa it factor. And like we mentioned a few minutes ago, he's got multiple avenues to winning because that short game can be so elite. We also mentioned that I have Tony Finau for all the same reasons as Nick. I also bet Hideki Matsuyama at 50-1, to 1, elite approach and around the green player who's played really well recently and in U.S. Opens. He's got seven consecutive top 31 finishes on the PGA Tour. And in his last six U.S. Opens, finished in the top 26 all six times. So he's just really consistent. And that has me looking to back him in other markets, maybe for more safety or in a matchup if I can find the right person to fade. I'm still looking for that with Hideki. And also, overall in the U.S. Open, he's played 10 times. And he's gotten in the top 35, nine out of those 10 U.S. Open appearances. I really like Hideki this week. And then some other guys that we've already mentioned, I did punch ticket on Neiman at 100 to 1, punch ticket on Wyndham Clark. Actually, with Wyndham Clark, unlike the other players whom I bet to win around eight units, I bet to win around 12 units on Wyndham Clark. I'm just really bullish on his game. I think there's a lot of value between the price that he's at and the price where he should be. I think he should be closer to the 50, 60 to 1 range. Uh, I really like Wyndham Clark. And then I also bet uh, Keegan Bradley outright, but I think I've changed my stance on him. I want to bet him in a placement market. So I'll get to that a little bit later. Also bet Russell Henley at 150 to 1. And then I finally bet Siwoo Kim at 90 to 1. He's one of the few players I bet on who doesn't have a lot of length off the tee, but that driving accuracy is going to play this week. His strong approach play and around the green game are also really solid. He's shown some high uh, upside form recently with two of his last four finishes, finishing in the top four, that fourth place at the Memorial T2 at the Byron Nelson. He's playing too well to be 90 to 1 golfer this week. So I like Siwoo Kim. I'm just a little bit more bullish on his game than I think the average person. And then in true Nick Brettwish fashion, I have my uh, long shot that I don't know that you should tail, but I bet it anyways. Taylor Moore, 250 to one. He's my guy. I'm going to ride with him. Respect. I like the Siwoo Kim call. I, I just want to mention that very quickly. Like a uh, super, super high ceiling incredibly low floor we've kind of seen that historically with him at u.s open venues but uh he's the kind of golfer that i am fine pushing really far up the board like as top 10 considerations um uh, potential to win the event you just have to know what you're getting with him which there's a lot of potential miscut that he takes on and that's fine when you talk about top 10s and to win the tournament like that's kind of the boom or bust nature that you want so i like that see who can play yeah, I'm also going to try to back Wyndham Clark, Siwoo Kim, uh, Hideki Matsuyama in some other placement markets as well. Really like those three guys relative to their price. Fellas, let's get into some of our other placement market bets. Nick, we'll start off with you. Who else you got besides the top 40 on Mito Pereira? I'm going to go with Seamus Power, top 40 at plus 220. And... Man, I don't really have a whole lot. I did take Keegan Bradley at plus 125 in the top 40 markets, a ticket that you were looking for. I'm in between on Gary Woodland at plus 140 and JT Poston at plus 250. But other than that, I I just don't love the betting board a whole lot this week. I've left myself a lot of room for in-play. Like Spencer said, I only have three units at risk right now. Um, but I'm just I'm going to ride Mito. That's going to be my play of the week. I think that's where I'm, we're going. All right. How about you, Spencer? Yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit more overexposed than Nick is. I would give a very similar answer to where I don't know if this is the greatest betting board. I do think that there's individual spots and and you're kind of anybody listening will see that there's a consensus answer that I keep coming to where there's a handful of like five players that I keep trying to find myself backing in di different iterations of the market. Uh, you talked about one of these players a second to go, Roberto. I think Wyndham Clark top 40 at plus 120. Um, it's one of those situations you're going to have to be very careful out there when you're placing uh, these placement bets because 156 players, top 60 and ties are going to make the cut. 
it's just harder to get to the weekend. I don't necessarily want to find myself living in this range where I have a lot of like, I'm not going to get to the minus numbers here, but like, I don't want to be in this like net neutral plus 100 range where I find myself betting even money choices over and over again, just because of the difficulty to make the cut. So I think that's something to keep in mind, but Clark to me is just a golfer that is not adequately priced right now compared to what the market is perceiving him. And Roberto, like you and I have talked about this at length. Uh, I, there was a couple tournament, there was a tournament a couple of weeks ago where I said he was overpriced all of a sudden because he got moved so far up the board. But now we put him in a major championship and now he's underpriced all of a sudden. So I think the market has been very finicky with where they want to move him. They don't exactly know where to place him, but I think he's legitimately a top 20 player with how he's moved his irons around. So I'm going to bet on the safety there as a top 40. I took Andrew Putnam top 40 at plus 225. I kind of have been calling for this one the entire week. Like on Sunday night, I was saying that if you could find in the plus 200 or greater range, I would bet him, I thought plus 160 proper. So I have a good 65 points of value here. I think the upside is going to leave a ton to be desired from a win equity sense, but 35th overall in my model, 25th for safety. That's not to mention that a scrambling is a significant perk that has allowed him to make back-to-back -back cuts at the US Open. He also posted a top five in his last start at the Memorial. That's another fast and firm test that I think might be Maybe not so much a comp because that venue is so much tighter in lies, but I think the speed of these greens is just at least something that you can look into. Um, Seamus Power, I agree with Nick on that one. I took him at plus 220. I have Mito Pereira in the best bet that I talked about in the placement market. I also bet Mito Pereira top 20 at plus 280 on bet 365 for all the reasons I talked about. Um, I'm going to go with Nick's boy, Russell Henley for a top 20 at plus 333 on bet365. I'm also going to tail you on that 57th or better Roberto inside the bet365 market there very quickly. There are a lot of golfers for me that I looked at their baseline putting, and then I compared it to how they're actually performing recently with the putter. The number one deviation in my model is Russell Henley. He's outperforming. Second, Hovland, third, Spieth, fourth, Kepka, uh, fifth, Wyndham Clark. It's a lot of players mm -hmm. that are winning or competing to win. I think Henley is that name that's kind of the forgotten about commodity there that's being pushed too far down the leaderboard. And then uh, just to throw out a bet that I told you that I think I might be able to interest you in, Roberto, uh, Denny McCarthy, 58th or better over on bet 365. Mm -hmm. I think that that's a really intriguing number to consider. Um for the safety that he brings, like he's 17th overall in my model. He has that fast and firm test that I'm looking for. So it's a lot of those like Henley's, Meadows, Wyndham Clark. Um, I mean, I guess to an extent, like a couple of those other names I mentioned, but really those first few to where like, I'm just trying to find exposure over and over and over again. Yeah, you got me. I'm in on Denny McCarthy, 58th or better. Seven of his last nine tournaments, he's finished in the top 30. Eight of his last nine, he's finished in the top 52. So getting 58, even though it is a bit of a stronger field, uh, bigger field, 156 players, as you mentioned, I still like it. There are a lot of avenues for him to play well this week if one part of his game isn't in top form. So I like that one a lot. I think it's really safe. Um, I'll Also, you mentioned Wyndham Clark. Nick Taylor last weekend reminded me that there are players who play really well and win or sometimes they don't win like nick taylor at the wm phoenix open had an incredible performance let me see exactly how many strokes he gained but it was good enough to win just about every week on the pga tour except for when scotty scheffler goes berserk like he did that week and he just ran into the scotty scheffler putting well he gained over 16 true strokes gained uh that week at the wm phoenix open didn't win which is very very unlikely that he wouldn't have won Wyndham Clark gained over 20 strokes in his win at the Wells Fargo Championship. That's true strokes gained via data golf. Not only did he win, but he showed that he had upside that's significant. And for that reason, in addition to just the win, but the convincing style in which he did it all around game, showing that his game at his best is good enough to beat some of the other best players at their best as well, not just when they have an off putting week. So I think looking at that upside, especially when players don't win because people don't remember Nick Taylor second at the WM Phoenix Open because he didn't win. So when you see a player who can do that upper level performance that a lot of players can't get to, 
just something to keep in mind when you want to bet outrights and their number falls into the right range. Additionally, I've got that Keegan Brad. I've got Keegan Bradley at 57th or better. I mentioned he's got, or sorry, 56th or better. He's got a really high floor right now. Top 35 and five of his last six starts. Top 48 in all six of his last six. Just a solid player all around. Played well at the PGA Championship as well. Was in contention until, until he kind of fell off on the weekend. Uh, I really like his game, and I think safety is the way to go with Keegan Bradley this week. Although I did mention I sprinkled him out right. I'm also going to play Wyndham Clark plus 500 for a top 10 this week uh, because of that upside that I just mentioned, but I do like the top 40 play as well. You got it at, I believe, plus 120. He's also available at minus 120 at 44th or better on the bet 365 place in market, just depending on your risk preference there, throwing that out there. And I believe that's all I've got in addition to the Russell Henley 57th or better. Um, oh, sorry. I actually have Siwoo Kim 48th or better. We mentioned him and why I like him's upside, but also the safety as well. Jason Sobel's talked about this a lot uh, in his weekly articles that he's done over the last couple of months, but Sibu Kim used to be a player who was inconsistent, had a high floor, or sorry, had a low floor and a high ceiling, and he has transformed into a player with a very high floor this year on the PGA Tour. And I like backing these players who are emerging and becoming more consistent on the PGA Tour in the major championships when they finally get to have a chance in these big time tournaments when they're a much better player than they've been in the past. Uh, so pretty conservative with those placement market bets, all 48th or lower in that placement market uh, at one minus 120 on bet 365, except for Wyndham Clark top 10 plus 500. Fellas, any other bets you have on your card this week that you'd like to mention before we get into our rapid fire? I have one. I'll say it with some trepidation here. I always like to give a head to head matchup. Like that's been my bread and butter on the show. Those mm -hmm. are hitting at still a very high rate every single week. Um, I worry marginally about placing head to head bets against players that don't have the majority of their data on the PGA tour. It does cause some wonky outputs that are difficult to trust, but Tom Kim minus one fifteen over Min Woo Lee. That is going to be me. Betting in a situation here where I think the market has moved so drastically against Tom Kim that we've almost gone in the opposite of what is actually legit. Like, yeah, back-to-back -back missed cuts is not going to be great. But if you look at what he had produced before that, nine made weekends and 10 attempts. I mean, this is for a guy that everybody is saying is experiencing a massive downfall. I know we have some injury concerns that maybe that's part of the reason why he hasn't looked great, but... Like Min Woo to me is just so boom or bust for this event. I could see him producing a top 10 finish. Like there's a legitimate way that this bet loses because Min Woo just climbs himself up the leaderboard. But I'm hoping that the bad Min Woo version comes into play here. And that's kind of what my model thinks is a very decent likelihood chance of happening. So I'm hoping I can get Tom Kim through the cut. I'm hoping Min Woo can miss. I think at minus 115, you know, there's about, 12 to 13 points of value for me. That is a really small number for what I give. Like I always say, I want to be 20 points or higher there and really higher is the key to it. Like I'd like to be in the 30 plus range when I'm giving these, but um, I think it's just something worth mentioning because I think the market's gone too far against Tom at this point. I think that if I knew the status of his health, we've seen some of that wrist or some of that tape, I believe around his wrist area in prior weeks. I think I would like this bet. This one's interesting just that it's available. If you look at the data golf profiles for both of these players, uh, in the top right corner, they have a little spider chart, which shows how they rate relative to average or zero strokes gained in each different part of strokes gained approach around the green, uh, off the tee, et cetera, et cetera. And these guys have basically inverted spider charts where the strength for one player is a weakness for the other. And we typically don't see those type of matchups. So I like that. We don't see that type available. Uh, we'd love to see that available normally because given the course, it skews more towards one player's uh, stat distribution. But this week, I think I would like Tom Kim if I knew he was healthy. I'm just not quite sure. But you mentioned the boomer bust potential of Min Woo Lee. He's lost strokes on approach in six of the last seven starts. And the one where he gained, very minusculely positive. So I like that. I like taking on Min Woo Lee. I think that if I can find him against someone else other than Tom Kim might be a, a ticket that I punched this week. Yeah. I, I think that that's a, a realistic thing to consider there. And 
you know, one of the players that I did see out in the market that I considered also was Joaquin Neiman. But I, I do think Joaquin Neiman is a little boomer bust himself in some mm. of the expectations for this course. Like I almost trusted Tom Kim to make the cut even with all the problems more than Joaquin. Like I, I think that he's a player that he can top 10 it, but I also think he can miscut it. So that's what made this so difficult, Roberto, just across the board. And it's why I keep mentioning players that I like, and I don't really have a home for them in these head to head bets. And a lot of times it just becomes an in-tournament answer for me that I'm going to be able to find. But they did a really good job, and they've done a really good job recently of making matchups against, like, the bus caliber players against the other bus players, the boom potential players against the boom potential players. And I thought the Tom Kim one was interesting against Minwoo for all the reasons that you mentioned, just because it's two polar opposite outputs in my model. Mm-hmm. I had one guy, even with the injury concerns, that my model deems to be marginally safe, maybe not as much upside versus a guy that if he hits, he's going to hit for massive amounts here, but he also can post a massive total. So I was just willing to take that on in a head to head matchup, but I agree with the general sentiment of what you're saying there. Yeah. I think that one's interesting and definitely worth monitoring minimally markets. Nick, any other thoughts before we hop into rapid fire? Let's do it. All right, guys, what do you make proper for John Rom this week? Or sorry, let's do it this way. If I gave you a ticket, Spencer, I'm your sugar daddy again. I've got a 12 to one ticket ready for you on Brooks Kepka or John Rom. Which one are you grabbing? I'll start with you, Spencer. I'm not a Brooks Kepka guy, so I'll take Rom. Nick? Rom. I have a Brooks Kepka ticket from 25 to one that I made mid masters on this tournament. So hopefully, good week for Brooksy. Uh, but John Rom has done most of his damage, not most of his damage, he's done a lot of damage on the West coast. Very interesting to see how he does this week. Patrick Cantlay went to school down the street at UCLA. He's 17 to one this week. Victor Hovland also 17 to one this week. We'll throw Xander Shoffley in here as well. He's 22. If I could give you a ticket on one of those three guys at 20 to one, which one would you take? I'd go with Cantlay. I think that's probably the correct answer. Like I had this choice and I went with Hovland I run into a problem here with Cantley and Xander recently, and maybe you can say this is recency bias coming into play, but I like the day so much better when I could get Cantley and Xander at 30 to one. Like, I think we're at their fair value right now. And Xander and Cantley aren't necessarily winning golf tournaments. Like that worries me ever so slightly, but I mean, there are three players that have massive potential to win here. I think Cantley's the right choice. If you force me to pick a name, but I'll take Hovland since it fits to what I did. I would take Hovland as well. Love his upside with that approach game and the improving around the green game. And we just saw him win his first big time tournament in the U S I think that the floodgates could open for him a lot sooner than later. He's someone who I really thought about betting, but I didn't want to get anybody shorter than 20 to one this week in such a stacked field. Let's look at some other players Max Homa, 30 to 1. Cameron Smith, 30 to 1. Matt Fitzpatrick, 33 to 1. If I gave you a 35 to 1 ticket on one of those guys, who would you take, Nick? Fitz. No braces. Gotta gotta go with the narrative. No oh. braces, Fitz. True. He's been freed, unbridled, and ready to defend his championship. Spencer, same question for you, but except Cam Smith, he's not an option since I know he's on your board. Uh Matt Fitzpatrick or Max Homa at 35 to 1. I gave you a ticket. Well, I have a Max Homa ticket too. So, I mean, I guess, I guess I'll, I mean, if I was to power rank them and I, I highly considered Fitzpatrick, Mm -hmm. like this is not a slight to him in any way. Like he was the last name that got cut from my card because I ended up going with Max Homa over him. Um, Very close. I'd probably say Cam Smith, Homa, Fitzpatrick, but all three players are golfers that I don't, I'm not going to talk anybody out of them. One guy I haven't bet this week is Tyrrell Hatton. You guys both have him outright. I'm very intrigued with his statistical profile, but just the lack of winning consistently makes me not want to bet him at relatively short odds for him, but he's someone I'm going to keep an eye on betting live. If you had to bet a matchup between Tyrrell Hatton and Tony Finau, even money either way, which side would you take, starting with you, Nick? Yeah, that's I love them both. Ah. <sighs> Give me Hatton. He, I don't, damn, that's tough. I'll go with Hatton. No, you know what? I'm going with Fiend now. 
well rested. Give me Tony. I hate Bunchy's that question. Better. I love them both. I like them both also. I'm going to say Hatton just because I think he's relatively safer um, if we're talking about a matchup here. And I kind of go back to my original sentiment that I had with Hatton to where reminding me a lot of Fitzpatrick where there's a lack of win equity that everybody talks about and the form looks really good and the stats are turning in the right direction and he's just not winning golf tournaments. I think Hatton wins one at some point. He's playing too well. And I think this is a really good course setup for him. So I think he is one of those golfers that does have the general safety and upside more so than Finau, who I think has the upside. I don't know if he necessarily has the safety. Colin Morikawa grew up in LA, went to college in Berkeley. A guy who's played well in majors. We know he's got those two major championships, but he's got a back injury that he had to withdraw uh, from the Memorial when he was in contention just a couple strokes back just two weeks ago. He's back this week, but his number has continued to drop. He's down at 38 to one. I hadn't seen anything below uh, 30, 35 earlier, but 38 to one for Colin Morikawa. What number would you guys need to punch a ticket on Morikawa or does the injury concern scare you off? Once again, I'm not a Morikawa guy. So it's kind of like the same answer that I give with Kapka. And I've said it a million times for anybody out there listening. They're the two golfers that have burned me more than anybody on the tour. Like, I lose more tournaments by trying to take those two guys on. And I've stopped doing it from a head to head answer here because I'm kind of like, there's only so many times that I can be proven that my model is not right with the output. Like I have proper more in the 50 something to one range on Morikawa. So I would need more than what I'm getting. Wow. How about you, Nick? 40 to one. Getting close. Um, Two other players, a little bit different uh, styles here. Justin Rose and Bryson DeChambeau. Rose is 38 to 1. DeChambeau's 45 to 1 on Bet365. If I gave you a 50 to 1 outright ticket on either of those guys, Nick, who would you pick? Bryson. Give me the upside of Bryson all day. I know Rose is a fan favorite, sharpen the matchups and everything like that this week, too, but I'll take the upside of Bryson, especially with what we saw at the PGA. Yeah, if you put the two of them in a head to head matchup, I would probably rather take the safety of Rose, but. I think Bryson has legitimate upside this week. The only thing that worries me ever so slightly about this course, and it's what we've seen at Augusta for him, those uneven lies and the weird slopes and some of that with the club choices with them all being the same length, uh, that has caused him problems. So I think Bryson is really boomer busts for this event, but from an outright answer, like give me the upside that he's going to bring because if he hits, I think he does hit in a big way. Hadn't really thought about the single length on those uh, on his irons, but that's an interesting approach, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, I'll be looking more into that this week. Justin Rose, someone I really like, really like the form, but he's not as long off the tee. On courses where length isn't as much of a prerequisite like it was last weekend at the RBC Canadian Open, I think he's someone whom I'll continue to target going forward. Dustin Johnson and Hideki Matsuyama, 38 and 45 to 1, respectively. If I gave you a 55 to 1 ticket on either of these guys, which one would you pick? Starting with you, Spencer. I'm out on Dustin this week. Uh, give me Hideki. Nick? Next question. <laughs> Hideki. Uh, 50 to 1 in Bet 365. I'll give you a 60 to 1 ticket on any of these four guys Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, Jason Day, and Spencer's new infatuation who's replaced Jason Day seemingly, Cameron Young. Which one would you take, starting with you, Spencer? I mean, I think at some point we reached like the threshold margin to where you you have to take Justin Thomas for the upside. Like there is a number out there in the space where it all of a sudden becomes proper to take a shot on his upside. So uh, at the prices you're talking about, I will take a shot with Justin Thomas there. Cam Young. I like Cam Young this week. I don't hear anybody talking about him. I know he's been sketchy of late. Everything on fast bank grass. Grades well. I mean, his putter, you know, it's just like Scotty. If he makes a putt, he's going to be ruthless. His around the greens, great. Same reason we talked about him um, a little bit at Augusta and the Open Championship last year. I think he could navigate pretty well here, and he's dirt cheap on DFS. I like Cameron Young a lot here. I keep making all these comp, uh, these corollary comps between the two courses that you mentioned, which are venues that Cam Young has found success in. I think I am the biggest Cam Young advocate out there at this point. And it's kind of shocking that I don't have any action on him and I've gone the opposite way, but I'm just going to trust Nick here. I will sit on the middle to where I don't have a massive feeling because uh, this is from a prototypical sense, 
a really good course for him when you think of the wide open nature and the fast and firm conditions that he's going to get. He is broken right now with the putter. Like, I think Paul Tesori, and and this isn't a shot, I think Tesori will make him better. I think he has confused Cameron Young with aim point. Like, I don't know if Cameron Young understands the concept of aim point right now, like of what he's supposed to be doing. Both JT and Cam Young look broken from a putting perspective, yes. but the rest <laughs> of their games the whole, are very intriguing. I, like I said, brought up that three putt avoidance as something that I magnified this week. And some of their numbers there scared me off, specifically Justin Thomas. But yeah. they're players that if they get hot putting, I'm intrigued by, I think maybe a first round leader bet or betting them upside top five, top 10 might be a way to go if you want to back those players. Uh, we mentioned Wyndham Clark. We got him at 100 to 1. He's 65 to 1 on Bet365's enhanced win here. He's 65. Sung JM is 60. Sam Burns, 65 as well. If I give you a 75 to 1 ticket on one of those three players, who would you take, Nick? Because I know Spencer has, well, I guess you have Sung J. So among the players you haven't taken outright, Wyndham Clark and Sam Burns, which one would you take at 75 to 1? Sam Burns. Spencer, I'm... Sam Burns, and Sung J. I am out on Sam Burns. So I, I think Sung Jay's upside is very enticing. Like Nick and I talked about this a, a little bit um, when we did our other show for Action Network. Like it's one of those spots with Sung Jay when you're like, if you're comparing him to Justin Thomas or you're comparing him to Cameron Young or any of these players that are kind of in that same range, I would rather bet on Sung Jay's upside. For a golfer that's been a little bit more hit and miss, like I think he is closer to putting the pieces together than the other two are. A couple guys here in the 75 to 85 to 1 range. Corey Connors, Patrick Reed, Sahit Thigala, and Adam Scott. If I gave you an outright ticket on one of these players at 90 to 1, which one would you take, starting with you, Nick? I'll go with Thigala. I think this course actually fits in pretty, pretty decently. I think I'll give the same answer as... As Nick just gave, um, you know, there's the upside with the putting, but we've seen recently, I think that he's able to spray it a little bit off the tee here. He has the prerequisite that you want from the short game and the putter. I would not be shocked. And and you mentioned it a while ago, Roberto, like Siwoo Kim was always viewed as a guy who was extremely boomer bust. And I do think in fairness, like I give a little bit of different answer. I still think he's boomer bust for this tournament, uh, but saw him. Kind of is the same answer. People, when he came onto the tour, everybody thought he was this guy that was going to miss a million cuts and randomly post top tens. I mean, he is just churning out made cut after made cut at this point. So I think he's a safer golfer than people think. And I think if you put him at the right course, that allows him to be more aggressive and get away with some of those errors. Like he can find success at those sort of tracks. So I, I like him this week. I think Figala and Patrick Reed profile somewhat similarly, similarly, inside of well after they get off the tee as players who can get around with out their top approach game but still find ways to score read a much shorter player off the tee but the gala much less accurate off the tee i think they're players who are intriguing this week whom i did not punch ticket on but i'll be watching them throughout for maybe some in-tournament wagers in some fashion fellas where can we find your stuff throughout the week in addition to the links and locks podcast Yes. Yeah, so as I just mentioned, Nick and I did a show with Brendan Glashin, uh, where we had some of our best bets that we went through. Uh, that was a fun show where we ran through the board. It was good conversation there. You can find any of the in-tournament wagers that I place over here on Action Network. I will have an article out tomorrow. Hopefully we can find a round one matchup and I will have two throughout the weekend of any plays that I can find there. So uh, hoping to have a good like, I think to me, that's where the majority of my exposure, even though I do have a lot of placement bets right now, I think that's where the majority of my exposure hopefully will end. If I can find some of these like fade candidates, like I did it against Dustin at the PJ championship where I just bet him every single time I could find an opportunity, see if I can find the same similar opponent and try to take them on all the time. And uh, to be honest, it's going to be with a lot of those players like Henley, McCarthy, Mito, all those guys that I keep mentioning over and over again, where if I can find the right matchups on them, I'm going to be looking there. But you can find those articles over here on Action Network. Awesome. How about you, Nick? At Better Golf Podcast this week, and then uh, everything else on the Best Bets article on Action Network. But yeah, excited. US Open, go Mito, and uh, let's see what happens. Love it. You can find me on Twitter at RobertoA213. I'll have a little 
sleepers article coming out tomorrow on action network for some of those players I like in the A to one plus range here this week. Some of which we mentioned today. And with that, just want to say thanks to everyone for joining us here at links and locks presented by bet three, six, five. As a reminder, the links and locks podcast is proudly presented by bet three, six, five, the world's favorite sports book brand sign up with promo code action to get bet three, six, five's exclusive sign up offer in New Jersey and Colorado Bet $1 on any game, get $200 free. For more great golf content from our Action Network team, check out our Best Bets episode from earlier this week featuring our own Jason Sobel, who, by the way, has hit on three outliers in a row. Unbelievable for uh, Jason Sobel. Definitely check check him out on the podcast. Check out his uh, weekly article on Action Network as well. He's joined alongside the PGA Tour's Ben Everill as they run down their top plays for this week's tournament. Of course, be sure to check out actionnetwork.com and the action app for all of our great golf betting and DFS content. Like I said, we've already got Jason's guide out there. We've got Matt Vincenzi's guide out there. Vincenzi, I think, said outrights in like four or five of the last six major championships. He's been ridiculous. Check him out. Um, he's back. He's betting Scotty Scheffler this week. Uh, so maybe he'll stay hot there. And then um, Vincenzi just filed a first round leader article. We're going to have the best bets posted in Posted around 7 p.m. Eastern time here on Tuesday, in case you're hearing the pod on Tuesday. And then we've got uh, more articles coming tomorrow. Uh, Derek Farns was going to have another outright article, and then Spencer's going to have his article as well. Tons of content throughout the week. Jason Sobel's going to be filing different round recaps throughout the week. So tons of content throughout LACC this weekend. So be sure to check it out on actionnetwork.com and the Action Network app. want to say a big thanks to everyone who makes this podcast possible, especially our producers, Noah, Sophia, and Matt. Once again, you can find Nick on Twitter at StixPicks. That's Sticks with an X. You can find Spencer on Twitter at TeeOffSports. You can find me at RobertoA213. Thanks again for tuning in this week. And here's to hoping you hit the green at Los Angeles Country. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.